For this first episode, I hope I can help educate you, the audience, about the sport of golf, its past, present, and future, and why this is not the same sport that you may have heard from your grandpa. And we're going to start with three topics in these first episodes that people will think about a lot when they hear about golf in 2023. The PGA Tour, the episode you guys are listening to right now, the new rival league Live Golf, and the future of professional golf as we look to the years ahead. I'm Harry Kelly, and this is Not Your Grandpa's Golf. I enlisted as much help as I could to start the series off with a bang. I interviewed three golf journalists to help understand these topics from a veteran's perspective, and you'll hear from them in various times throughout these episodes. First up, I spoke with Ron Syrak, who is a senior golf writer for Golf Digest, one of the sport's top magazines. Next up, I spoke with Kyle Porter, a longtime writer for CBS Sports, one of the networks that covers golf the most. And finally, I spoke with Ron Green Jr., a senior writer for Global Golf Post, one of the biggest weekly digital news outlets for the sport. So let's start this episode with a quick and simplified history of where the PGA Tour started from. In the early 1900s, around the time of World War I, an organization called the PGA of America began several professional tournaments with prize money in their own major golf tournament, the PGA Championship, to go along with the U.S. Open and the Open Championship in the U.K. Throughout the 20s, tournaments across the country were organized, and eventually by 1930, a year-round schedule was designed for professional players. For the next few decades, these tournaments became bigger and bigger as television grew, and the professional players began to disagree with how the PGA of America was distributing money. They felt they deserved more, and they shouldn't need to play with so many players called teaching professionals, essentially golfers who taught at local clubs and were paid doing that, and who weren't doing the grind of playing in tournaments year-round. By the turn of 1970, the professional players broke off from the PGA of America and formed their own organization, which would ultimately be known as the PGA Tour. Again, this is very simplified, but a thing that is fascinating during this time is the growth of golf that led to the formation of the tour, and in particular, how one man helped lead that change. Here's Mr. Syrak to explain. The first real, real person that put the PGA Tour on the map of sports fans was Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer is the Masters champion of 1960, one of the greatest displays of courageous golf. Son of a golf course superintendent, working class kid from Western Pennsylvania, not far from Pittsburgh, turned pro in 1955, won his first major championship at the 1958 Masters. And between 1958 and 1964, he won seven of golf's major championships. He won the U.S. Open, the British Open, and the Masters four times. Arnold came along, it was perfect timing. It came along at a time when the country had a president in Dwight Eisenhower, who was an avid golfer. So that kept golf sort of in the news. All of, of President Eisenhower's golf vacations to Augusta, Georgia would be documented by the media. But also television was at that time just discovering live sports as, as a commercial revenue stream for them. And in 1960, Arnold Palmer won the U.S. Open and the Masters both in the same year. And Arnold had a very dynamic style. He was athletic. Uh, he was very demonstrative in the way that he played. He had movie star good looks. Arnold Palmer and television 
were the perfect marriage for each other. Hit it. Go. So at a time when television was just discovering sports in 1960, you know, here along comes Arnold Palmer, who televised brilliantly. That was the first wave that drew fans into the game. So Palmer had a clear impact on the PJ Tour's founding and its place in the sports world for the next few decades. He also gave us an iconic drink as well. I've had a big glass of iced tea and I shared a little lemonade on it and mixed it up and why was it good. Well, a lady at a table heard me do that and she said, I want a Palmer. Anyways, flash forward a few decades to the mid-90s and while the tour is doing well, its growth has stagnated a bit. That is, until a young phenom revolutionized the sport in ways that nobody could have imagined. I think he could probably get a seven or eight iron on it. He may get it all the way up there. Look at this. Look at this. Tiger Woods. I have a feeling everybody listening to this has at least a basic understanding of him. I want to dive deeper into his impact in a later episode. But to get to the point, all you need to do is listen to some of the numbers Mr. Syrak and later Mr. Porter brought up. When Tiger Woods turned pro in 1996 from... Essentially, 1997 to about 2015, 16, somewhere in there, PGA Tour prize money increased more than fivefold. And that was all the Tiger Woods impact. And the commissioner of the PGA Tour at that time, Tim Fincham, negotiated. uh, He played hardball with TV networks and he negotiated very strong TV contracts. And that's golf's overwhelmingly main revenue stream is TV rights fees. And those TV rights fees increased dramatically and prize money went from 50, $60 million a year total to over a half a billion dollars a year. His career has led to this explosion in golf where when Tiger won the 1997 Masters, the entire purse for the whole field, I think was like $2 million. And then last year, 2022 Masters, the winner's share was the same as the entire purse was in 1997. And a lot of that is due to Tiger Woods. You know, a lot of money followed him into the game. And in any industry where money follows you, it's going to grow. It's going to get more competitive. And certainly, the money has trickled into the tour constantly since the start of the 21st century. In 2021, the PGA Tour generated revenues of $1.59 billion, according to its tax filings. And numbers like this are one of many reasons Mr. Syrak believes the tour is healthy right now. The main thing going for it right now is that all sports, every sport, is in a is in a very advantageous place right now because when the PGA Tour first started, there were three TV networks out there, ABC, CBS, NBC. Now there's more networks than that and they're streaming the 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 demand for live sporting events as content is is enormous it's the one can't miss thing that providers can put out there you know you can't dvr past the commercials you want to watch a sporting event live so there's nothing as compelling as live entertainment and and sports fills that bill so you've seen the rights fees going up for every sport and as people you know uh, compete with each other you know it used to be just the three networks and espn came along and then nbc started a sports channel and and, and fox started a sports channel and, and then all these streaming services come in amazon is now doing thursday night football and the nfl 
So this demand, this revenue for live sports, golf fits perfectly into that, absolutely perfectly into that. Not only is the money flowing in, but the tour is trying something out with their schedule, which could radically change how professional golf works. Here's Mr. Porter to explain. So the, the weird thing about the PGA Tour is that not everybody plays every week, right? And that's very different than the NFL, where all the stars are playing on Sunday. That doesn't happen with PGA Tour because one of the appealing things about the PGA Tour has been, hey, you get to make your schedule. You can play wherever you want. You got to play X number of events to keep your tour card, but we don't really care where they are, which sounds great and is great for player schedules. What it's not great for is your product. And so the players who are part of this member-run organization finally got together last year and said, hey, maybe us playing not the same events all the time is not the greatest idea. And so what's happened in 2023 and will continue to happen is all the stars are now playing all the same events. What Mr. Porter means is that the PGA Tour has now established certain tournaments on its schedule as designated events. Instead of having free reign like in previous years, the top players on the tour must play those events unless they're unable to because of injury or they choose to skip. And they can only skip one. That's created a scenario where you, you have a very kind of haves and have nots version of the PGA Tour where 13 weeks out of the year, you're going to have elite, elite fields like we saw in Phoenix last week and like we're going to see at Riviera this week. Mr. Porter referenced two tournaments that took place a few weeks back, the Waste Management Phoenix Open and the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. Those were designated events, which both featured nearly every single top 25 player in the world. But there's a catch that comes with that change. The other 30 tournaments out of the year, you're going to have less than elite fields. It's going to be pretty mediocre fields. And... That has been really interesting to watch. I think it's actually ultimately good for the PGA Tour, but that evolution has not been something we've seen for a really long time. An example of a tournament hurt by this change was the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Because of its proximity to these designated events in the schedule, most top players skipped playing it, which meant only three of the top 20 players in the world showed up. A possible solution the tour has proposed is rotating which tournaments are designated events year by year. But it's unclear right now how that would even work. But in general, we've established in this episode that the PGA Tour is doing well right now. So why is there so much talk about this new league, Live Golf? Tonight, the PGA Tour making a striking announcement, suspending players competing in the Live Golf Invitation Series. Some of pro golf's biggest names have flocked to the deep pockets of the Live Golf Tour. Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and most recently, British Open winner Cam Smith. This is the biggest story in golf since probably Tiger Woods. There is new controversy over the Saudi-funded Live Golf Series, and this time it involves former President Donald Trump and 9-11 families. A golf tournament funded by Saudi Arabia is asking questions of how the sport is run and what, if anything, the sport stands for. Could it be a threat to the PGA Tour as we know it, or will it merely be a bump in the road? Listen to the next part. When we examine how Live Golf got started, and how its first season in 2022 went. I'm Harry Kelly, and I'll see you in the next episode.